0: Worship brings blessings to God, no question. But have you ever considered that worship also brings blessings from God? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah illustrates this truth as it was experienced by the Old Testament patriarch, Abraham. Learn how to bless and be blessed through authentic worship as David introduces the conclusion of his message, The Sacrifice of Worship.
1: Friends, we are about to uh, finish up our discussion. We started yesterday about Abraham and Isaac on the mountain. But before we do that, I just want to remind you that on the 6th of October, that's a Thursday night, we're going to be in Raleigh, North Carolina at the PNC Arena. On Thursday, October the 13th, in Orlando, Florida, at the Amway Center, on Thursday, October the 20th, in Greenville, South Carolina, at the Bon Secours Wellness Arena, and on Friday, November the 11th, in Buffalo, New York, at the KeyBank Center. You can get your tickets for these events by simply going to our website, which is davidjeremiah.org, and uh, add this to your addressing, uh, the website, davidjeremiah.org, slash tour, And it will tell you how you can order the tickets you need. They'll be advanced to you, and you'll be able to come. There's no cost for the tickets, but you must have a ticket. And don't wait too long, because some of these events, uh, we've never seen anything quite like the ticket response that we've gotten so early. People are all full of pent-up energy to go someplace and enjoy fellowship with God's people. We hope you'll be included in the number. Get your tickets today. Well, yesterday we talked about Abraham and his son Isaac and what worship really is and what it costs to worship God. Let's continue that discussion right now.
2: Worship is an activity that God wants you and me to make a part of our life. Worship is not passive. It is participative. If you are not involved in the activity of worship... If you are not worshiping, if you are watching everybody else worship, you have not worshiped. You have been a spectator while other folks have worshiped, but you cannot worship without the involvement of your own heart, without the involvement of your own energy, without all that you are entering into the process because worship demands a response on your part. And that is going to be very difficult for many of us who have grown up watching the performances that take place on the platform we have come to church many of us all of our lives and we have watched other people worship God and it has never really crossed our mind that there was something wrong except often we have left with an empty feeling because we have not been involved in the obedient response to the command of God when God told Abraham I want you to go to the mountain and sacrifice your son he obeyed and notice in this verse all of the things he did, he got up, he saddled his ass, he took his two young men, he clave the wood, he rose up, he went into the place, all of those are action words that tell us that Abraham is responding in worship to God. Abraham teaches us that worship responds to what God has said. Notice number three, in this wonderful passage on worship, we learned that worship requires the best we have to offer worship requires the best we have to offer I can't hardly read the second verse without feeling the tears come to my eyes and my throat kind of getting caught as I try to say the words take now thy son thine only son whom thou lovest and offer him there as a burnt offering my friends worship is not a cheap thing Abraham was asked to offer to God his most prized possession, his own son. This son meant everything to Abraham. This was the son in whom all the blessings and promises of God were to be fulfilled. And God said, this is how much your worship is going to cost you. Take your only son and offer him to me. Someone has suggested that in order for Abraham to obey, he had to surrender three things. He had to surrender his intellect. Because Abraham was caught on the horns of a dilemma. It was to Isaac that God had pointed and said, In Isaac shall all of the promises be fulfilled. Abraham and Sarah had waited until they were almost 100 years old, the two of them, before Isaac had finally come. And God had been promising Abraham all of his life that he was going to bless him through his posterity. And now finally, in old age, he'd had a son, Isaac, And he was a wonderful young man and Abraham could see all the promises of God coming through Isaac. And then the next thing Abraham realizes, God is saying to him, take that son, that son that I promised you and take him up to the mountain and kill him. And Abraham's sitting there thinking, Lord, I don't understand this. This seems like this doesn't make any sense. You tell me that my future is wrapped up in Isaac and now you tell me to go and crucify my future? It isn't until you get to the book of Hebrews that you find out how he put this all together. And I'll never forget the first time that hit me right between the eyes. It says in Hebrews chapter 11 that when Abraham was sorting this out, it finally came to his mind that the only way God could be true in both cases was for him to kill Isaac and then God was going to raise him back up from the dead. You talk about faith. But Abraham had to come to God in his worship and say, Lord, I don't understand this, but I know this is what you've asked me to do. And so I will sacrifice my intellect to you if I must. And he had to bring and surrender his emotion. It says in verse 2 that it was a son that he loved. He had to bring his emotion to God. And he had to bring his will to God. He could have understood what God said. He could have comprehended all that it meant. But until he took the first step toward Mount Moriah, he had not begun to worship God. And Abraham had to surrender all of that in order that he might worship God. We have made worship so frivolous, so easy, so light. And you know, one of the things we're concerned about is that sometimes our image of worship has been so tarnished because we have watched what is supposed to have been worship. And it seems so unplanned and so lacking in excellence and so not what we would expect to bring to God. And we look at that and we think, is that where we're going? I want to tell you, that's not where we're going. We want to bring to God in our worship the very best that we have it may not be the best that there is but it has to be the best that we have do you know there was a day some generations after this story when King David came back to the very spot where Abraham sacrificed his son And the Bible tells us that David wanted to build a place where God could be worshiped, a great temple where God could be honored and glorified. Do you remember when David brought back the Ark of the Covenant? And David then was living in this beautiful house. And one day he was sitting in his house and he realized that the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God, was in a tent. And David said, I don't want the Ark of the Covenant to be in a tent while I'm living in this paneled house. I know what I'll do. I'll build a house for God. Now, the fact that he never was able to do that because God chose his son to do it does not diminish the great heart of David to build God a house. And so one day he went to look for a place where he could build a temple or a house to God. And the scripture says he found a place called the threshing floor of Ornan. And he went to Ornan, who owned this piece of property, and he said, I want to build a house for God. And this looks like a marvelous place where I could do it. And he said, I want to buy this ground from you. And Ornan said, well, if it's for God, David, I'll just give it to you. And David said, no, you won't. You will not give it to me. In those famous words, which we have heard so many times over the years, they're recorded in two different places in the Old Testament. David said, Second Samuel twenty-four, twenty-four, he said, Neither will I offer burnt sacrifices unto the Lord my God, Of that which doth cost me nothing. Do you hear what David said? I want to worship God. I want to build a place to God. I want to buy some property for us to build a temple to God. But I'm not going to let you give it to me because that seems too cheap to me. I want to pay for it out of what God has entrusted to me so that I can be involved in the whole act of sacrificing my worship to God. And do you know that some years later, after David had died, his son Solomon? built the most unbelievable temple to the worship of God in glory on the very spot where Abraham offered his son Isaac to the Lord isn't it interesting that this chapter in the Old Testament almost becomes the focal point of what true worship is true worship is giving God all that we have and there on that spot where one man did it God reared up a temple where people came to worship him and they say that Solomon's temple was truly the most magnificent building ever built to the honor and glory of God and you know what folks someday they're gonna build another one right on that spot The millennial temple will be once again built where Solomon's temple was built, the prophecies of the scripture. And if you knew what was going on in Israel right now, it would just make you tingle with excitement as the preparation is underway even now to once again rear an edifice to the worship of God on that place where Abraham worshiped the Lord. What can I tell you? Worship is a costly thing. That's just kind of gotten a hold of my heart in these last days. I don't want to come to God with the frivolous things of my life I want to bring Him the best it costs something to worship God it's not cheap it's not easy and if what you want my friend is just to kinda of waltz into the presence of God and just sort of tip him with your life and think that that's worship you're in the wrong place doing the wrong thing because that isn't gonna fly that isn't what worship is it doesn't meet any of the standards of worship Worship is what we give God that costs us something. Some of you say, well, I'd like to sing in that choir. I'd like to be a part of that worship team. Boy, you know what that would mean? I'll tell you what, I hope it means enough so that it can really be meaningful to you. Because if it doesn't mean enough, you will never get the joy out of offering it to God. The more it demands of you, the greater the act of worship that you offer to your living King. Worship is costly. Let me give you number four. Worship retreats to be alone with God. Worship retreats to be alone with God. Notice what it says in the fifth verse. Abraham now is ready to go up to Mount Moriah with Isaac. The scripture says that he said to the young men who had helped him and had come along with him, he said, you stay here and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Why couldn't they come? Why didn't they get to be a part of that great moment of worship? Because it was a sacred moment. And you see, worship is kind of a one-on-one thing with the Lord, even though it happens in a group. If it isn't your response to God, you're not worshiping. Abraham didn't need anything to worship God except Isaac, who was the sacrifice, the wood upon which he would build the fire and himself. And he left behind everything that was extraneous to the process. And together he and Isaac mounted the mountain. And there they worshiped God. You know, it's interesting that we have to do that, don't we? If we're going to really enter into worship, we have to move away from all the things that get in our way. I don't know about you, but it's hard to worship in freeway traffic. Have you noticed that? i mean we need to worship we need to stay in very close fellowship with god it's hard to worship in the midst of a shopping mall with confusion all around but i want to tell you something to worship you've got to go yonder to be alone with god you gotta get all the clutter out of your mind and heart so you can focus on him and i want to tell you something that may be the biggest task we have when we come to church because what is this called the information age We have so much stuff rattling around in our computers up here to try to get the screen free so that we can put God where he belongs. Takes some effort on your part. The cost of worship may be for many of us taking some extra time during the week to prepare our hearts so that when we come on Sunday, we can truly enter into a worship experience with our fellow believers. I think it goes without saying that worship rejoices the heart of God. I've often thought what it would be like to have a split screen picture of Abraham going up the mountain and Abraham coming down. (laughs) Have you ever thought of that? I see this old man now, 100 years old, trudging up Mount Moriah, perhaps carrying some of the wood himself because they left the servants behind. His son, Isaac, who by now is in his mid-twenties, one of the misunderstandings of this sacrifice is that Isaac wasn't a little boy. He was a grown man. Isaac walking up beside him. Abraham, fully aware of what God had asked him to do, and I think maybe his shoulders were hunched over a little bit. His head was down. Maybe every once in a while he wiped a tear away from his face. For he knew what God had asked him, and he was fully aware to do it, but he was a human, and he had emotion like all of us. And I think he didn't necessarily take the steps in a hurry. He took his time. And he got to the top of that mountain. And you know the story. I often marvel that Isaac was a willing sacrifice, even as the Lord Jesus was for us. Isaac was big enough and strong enough to bolt that situation any moment he wanted. But because he loved his father and was obedient, he willingly agreed to lay down his life in obedience to his dad. He was bound and laid on the altar and the wood was there. And Isaac said, Dad, he said, we got the wood and here's the altar and the fire, but where's the sacrifice? And Abraham's words are some of my favorites. He said, Son, God will provide himself a sacrifice. (laughs) And I watch in my mind's eye as that aged patriarch takes the knife and is about ready to plunge it into the heart of his most beloved son. And just at the last moment, the angel of God catches his arm (laughs) and said don't do it Abraham and there was a ram caught in the thicket and Isaac was set free but in his heart Abraham had already killed him in his heart Isaac had become dead to Abraham and in that moment of time God knew something and Abraham knew something God knew that there was nobody or no thing on the face of earth that was more important to Abraham than God was And when Abraham realized that he had been able to slay his son in his heart, but not in reality. Can you imagine the trip back down the mountain? I don't know if a hundred-year-old man can dance, but I have a feeling that Abraham got down the mountain a lot faster than he went up. Tripped the light fantastic all the way back down to where those two young men were waiting. Why? Because, number one, he had faced the most serious test of his life and been faithful but he had also felt and seen the smile of Almighty God on him because God liked what Abraham did. God was pleased by the worship of this man. And of course the rest of the story is that this worship that rejoiced the heart of God also resulted in blessing for Abraham. If you read verses 16 through 18 you will notice that the scripture says that God is going to bless him Everlastingly bless him. Multiplied his seed as the stars of the heaven. As the sand which are upon the seashore. Thy seed shall possess the gate of your enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because thou hast obeyed my voice. Did Abraham get anything out of worship? Oh boy, did he ever. He got the smile of God. He got the sense that he had faced the biggest test in his life. And God was pleased with him. Listen to me. The Bible says that when we honor God, watch this now, he honors us. (laughs) Did you know that? God will not be a debtor to any man. You cannot outgive God. And when you give God your worship, God will shower back upon you the blessing in your life that you seek. I love the verses in the book of Romans where Paul speaks to the Romans. So familiar to us, but listen to them in context of what we have said. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable worship. That's the word, worship. So worship isn't singing some hymns, as important as that may be, or putting together worship orchestras and choirs. Those are expressions of what are in our heart. Worship comes from the heart outward, and then we express our worship and love for God. But if we have not come, first of all, to love God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength, we're not on that road toward the love of God in our hearts. Our worship will be empty. We need to cultivate the worship of God that was so significantly a part of Abraham And then worship on Sunday will be just the joyous overflow of everything that's going on down here in our heart. F.B. Meyer is a name that is known to every preacher. Because if you're a preacher, you have to have some of F.B. Meyer's books. He wrote commentaries on almost every book of the Bible. And he wrote some of the greatest studies on the personalities of the Bible. F.B. Meyer is a well-known author as a young man as he was growing in his reputation as a preacher he went to a farewell meeting one time at Cambridge University for a group of young men who were going to China as missionaries these young men were referred to as the Cambridge seven and one of them was a young man named Charlie stud C T stud he was a famous sportsman in England in fact if you have cricket in England at the same level as the NFL in the United States of America, he was the number one NFL player in England. Very famous, and he could have become a part of a very lucrative career as a professional sportsman. Now he was turning his back on all of that, and he was going to China with a China Inland Mission to be a missionary. That afternoon, C.T. Studd gave his testimony, and F.B. Meyer was listening, and he said it wasn't so much what he heard but that he saw for the first time in his life a man that he thought was totally and absolutely yielded to Jesus Christ and after the meeting F.B. Meyer went to Charlie Studd and he said it's quite obvious that you have something that I lack and something that I need but I don't know what it is could you tell me what it is and CT Studd who was not bashful at all knowing he was standing in the presence of a very famous minister didn't even bat an eye He just looked him right straight in the eye and he said have you surrendered everything to Jesus Christ F B Meyer thought a moment he said yes I have but in his heart there was a still small voice that said no you have not (laughs) and he was so troubled by this he finally went home and when he got home he said he went into his bedroom he got down on his knees and he began to pray it seemed to him as if the Lord were saying to him in fact he said I almost felt like the Lord walked right in the room And he said, Meyer, I want all the keys to your heart. And F.B. Meyer began to argue with the Lord, and the Lord kept saying, all the keys. Yes, Meyer, I want all the keys. So he said, in my mind, I took out a ring of keys, and I gave them to the Lord. And he said, I saw the Lord counting them, one by one, going through all the ring of keys. And when he got all done, the Lord looked at me, and he said, Meyer, there's one key missing. I want all the keys. And then he said, I saw the Lord turn as if he was going to leave the room. And I said, Lord, where are you going? Don't leave. And the Lord said, if I'm not Lord of all, I'm not Lord at all. But Lord, just a small key, just just one key out of the whole ring, (laughs) just a little one. And back came the word, if I am not Lord of all, I'm not Lord at all. And in desperation, F.B. Myers said, I said, okay, Lord, you can have it and I gave him that last key of my life and I surrendered everything I was to him and the Lord began to use FB Meyer like he had never dreamed he would ever be used he was filled with the spirit and his ministry exploded because he was one man who was willing to say Lord there is not anything in my life that I love more than I love you that is the essence of worship The truest worship we can ever offer to God is to come to the place in our lives where we're willing to say, Lord, there's not anything in my life that I love more than I love you. It's a costly thing to worship God.
1: Amen. Well, we come to the end of this week, and we've been talking about worship. Next week, we're going to talk about the endless song of worship. The song continues, and worship at home and on the road. Learning how to worship the Lord is one of the keys to a meaningful Christian life. And I'm sure I won't answer all the questions or solve all the problems, but I'm weighing in on this very important subject. Don't forget, you can get the book, My Heart's Desire, um, which is the book from which this series has been developed. It's available from davidjeremiah.org. Um There you will see the book and the study guide and the CD packages are available. And then don't forget the resource for the month here that we want to make available to all of you is a copy of the new calendar, the 2023 calendar. It's called Moving Mountains, and it's a 14-month calendar that begins in November. So we make it available in September by the time you send your request and we send the calendar. It'll be there in time for you to begin entering in all of your dates in the calendar and have it throughout the holidays and throughout the whole year. We want you to have this. It's our way of saying thank you for your September gift to Turning Point. So don't forget when you send your gift to ask for the calendar, just say, please send me Moving Mountains or send me the 2023 calendar, and we'll have it on its way to you before you know it. Please uh, continue to pray for Turning Point. Uh, Have a wonderful weekend as you attend your own church. And uh, be sure to watch us on television if you get a chance. Be back here in the study hall for Turning Point on Monday. We'll see you then.
0: Today's message originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church, where Dr. David Jeremiah serves as senior pastor. Let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by writing to us at Turning Point for God of Canada. P.O. Box 18098 Delta BC V4L2M4. Visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca/slash radio or calling 800 946 4300. Ask for your copy of our inspiring 14-month calendar for 2023: Moving Mountains. And spend each day encouraged. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we continue the series, My Heart's Desire, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah.
3: Do you have faith that moves mountains? Turning Point's Moving Mountains 2023 calendar will remind you of the power of faith. With monthly scriptures and a Bible reading plan, this 14-month calendar will help you stay organized and grow in the Lord. The Moving Mountains calendar is yours with a gift of any amount to the ministry. And when you give $100 or more, we'll send you five calendars, perfect for sharing with family and friends. Go to davidjeremiah.ca.
1: Tradition tells us that the French philosopher Voltaire, who was no friend of Christianity, was discussing religion with a group of fellow skeptics. Voltaire said, Gentlemen, it would be easy to start a new religion to compete with Christianity. All the founder would have to do is die and then be raised from the dead on the third day. Perhaps that is why there is no religion like Christianity in which the founder died and came back to life. Some people think it doesn't matter if Christ was raised from the dead or not. In fact, the resurrection is critical, as the Apostle Paul wrote. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's purpose for the resurrection on Route
0: 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life.